UX Podcast Episode 55. Listening to UX Podcast brought to you from Stockholm, Sweden. For people passionate about balancing business, technology, and users within the realm of digital media. Helping you break down silos, here are your hosts, James Royal Lawson and Per Axboom. Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of UX Podcast. You're listening to me, Per Axboom. And me, James Royal Lawson. It's Obama Day. It's Obama Day. <laughs> What's that, you all ask? Is it international? Do we all celebrate it? Ah. We put Obama masks on and run around, pretend to be the president of the United States of America? No. Barack Obama, the president of the United States, is now in Sweden, in, in Stockholm. Stockholm. Now, He's just arrived from the airport, I think. Yeah, about, about an hour ago, time, probably. Yeah. Now, for, for the American listeners out there, this is probably really interesting. Mm. Because what happens when the president of the United States comes to your city, as yes. we found out today, mm. is they close your city down, basically. Yes, everything's closed. I mean, it would wow. have been impossible for me to like take the car the or the bike into town today. Yeah, the shops and everything are open, yeah. of course. We don't mean like that, but mm. they've um, they've closed off a huge amount of um, roads in town and yeah. on the way to town mm. and airports and things, just so the president and all these hundreds of people can Right, <laughs> so I do believe a lot of people in Stockholm are actually working from home today. Looking mm. at the traffic this morning, then, yeah. yes. Yeah, and a few people sitting outside. We're we're sat at uh, in a hotel lobby, yeah, uh, near Mianborgarplatsen. If anyone should know where that is, <laughs> I actually biked in. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, very fit you are. Yeah, oh well, no, <laughs> but I I just lived just on the road, so <laughs> it wasn't too much effort. <laughs> and um, I hope the sound, well, the surrounding sound is pretty okay. I think we're testing the new Zoom H6. For sound as well. Oh, you can write about that on our um, kit page. Yes, finally, I think I'm actually you ready for satisfied that? with cool. this kit we're using. So Good. I'm going to write about it yeah. on our blog. <laughs> well, today is oh. episode 55. Yes, it is. And we are going to talk about Bitcoin. Well, actually, we're going to. It's going to be. We're going to talk a little bit about um, um, payments, payments yeah. and and mm. uh, user experience with payments and mm. ease of payments um, when you want to buy mm. something. Um, you did a you did a talk last week. Which yes, I did. I did uh, for uh, for well for politicians and organizations and, and like municipalities in in another part of Sweden actually, and um, diving into the subject of payment systems, I realized that this is going off the charts the number of different payment systems uh, we have what's happening they're, they're think, you think they're making them more useful you would assume them, them to be making them more useful but like paying for parking uh, we've talked about uh, that oh, previously it's, it's so like, irritating at times it's you go to check in check out and it doesn't work when you check out which you did for me earlier in the week yeah. and I'm having to make so three I've, phone I've, calls I've gone back to cash for paying parking because that I, I pay in seconds, yeah. but it takes minutes if you pay with cards. That's exactly what I thought yeah. on Monday when I had that problem with a, yeah. pay, a car park machine. Mm. That I was thinking, oh no, I really need to start using money again yeah. for these because it's it's easier. Yeah. The user experience and the convenience of cash yeah. in those situations is, is still simple. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I generally have avoided a lot of these payment systems that are on offer because they're still too complicated. 
I want something that is easier than the mm. existing one. That's easier mm. than 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 my car, my Visa card, or my exactly. It has to be easier. or easier than cash. Yeah, it's got to be easier than those mm. too. Mm. And everything that or I it has to offer some sort of significant advantage over everything else. Oh yeah, it has to be really a significant advantage. Yeah. But, uh, up to now, everything is quite irritating and annoying or mm. doesn't there's something which makes it complicated I also have the example mm. of I mean if you if you tra- want to travel by public transport on buses in Sweden mm. now if you go to different towns it's a different you payment to, you, system you have to register in different yeah you have to different uh, register beforehand actually mm. in Örebro where I was they, you can pay with credit card on the bus oh. but uh, not a lot of places offer that so yeah. basically when you travel in Sweden you have no idea how you're going to use the bus and mm. you have to research beforehand yeah. and install apps and oh it's 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 which, a nightmare which is a huge mm. um problem for 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 users for for people trying to use mm. the, the public transport mm. i mean i i know as well that i mm. You think you maybe even have understood how you mm. maybe pay for a bus trip mm. yeah. uh, as an individual. Mm. But I had some friends across earlier in the the year um, from from England, and suddenly I was uh, I was in a situation where I knew how I you could use the bus, but I had actually no idea how they could exactly. use the bus. Yeah, and you end up learning it constantly. <laughs> like I, I learned that you could um, you could pay for the the metro here with um, you could pay several journeys, several people's journeys with one. Um, travel card. I've heard that as well yeah. now. Yeah. But what I also learned from that trip is you can't on the buses. Really? So they managed to pay for a valid journey for for two people, mm-hmm. and they took the train and then we took the bus, end up somewhere well near the coast. Yeah. And then we should we wouldn't come back, but they couldn't do the same type of transaction on the way back because the bus wouldn't. Oh my god! The bus couldn't do a <laughs> multi-person transaction on one travel card. They ha- you had to have personal individual travel cards. So yeah, you know, so people aren't just getting frustrated; they're getting stranded. Effectively, yeah. yeah. I mean, this bus driver was nice. He, mm. he basically understood the problem that we'd mm. we'd got out there using perfectly legitimate right payments and systems, but couldn't get back using the same method. <laughs> oh man! But, but no, so what we're gonna um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna ring up. Um, we should, we should mention something like, about Bitcoin as well. I think because it's a different difficult concept it to grasp for a lot of people. We will be right. talking about Bitcoin today because the man we're ringing up mm-hmm. uh, is accepting Bitcoins in his pubs. Yeah, as a form of payment. And Bitcoin is, you've probably seen it in the news if you're listening to our podcast. I'm guessing you're, you're mm. sort of aware of it. But it's, if, you, if you Google it, it's called a decentralized, decentralized currency. Virtual cryptocurrency. Oh, that, oh, you're saying, and it's yeah. called cryptocurrency because it's sort of secure, actually. It's based on public keys it's, transactions. Yeah, like yeah. like encrypted email. If you've ever used that, mm. it's sort of the same thing. You have a mm. key and an unlock key. Mm. At the same time, it's a little mm. bit BitTorrent-like mm. in that it's 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 peer it's peer to peer. I mean, it's it's peerless, right? and there's no central place. For exactly. Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, they float around. These mm. transactions float around. Mm. These coins float around in a in a in a internet-based. Mm. system. <laughs> yeah, there's no owner of, of... You can tell that I'm not really an expert on No, Bitcoin, I'm not I'm, either, I'm but there's no, over and there's no central bank or central system. It's just, mm. it's floating around mm. out there. It's, 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 like, it's like cash. Mm. But it's, it's floating it's, around it's, it's and the, you can pay securely. But it's the mm. most widely adopted mm. digital currency mm. at the moment. Yes, it is. Um, it's, it's enough. That's, that's basically mm. all we really need to know going into the conversation, I, I think. Because so. w- we want to know more about um, the usability side or the user experience side of this. Mm. Um, we're going to bring up um, an old friend of mine called Stephen Early. Um, and he runs um, a small chain of pubs in England. There's mm. five of them now. Yep. And um, just before the summer, or in June, um, he's um, 
he hit the news with the f- by the fact that he became the first um, pub in the UK to accept bitcoins. And Wired and a f- oh, Guardian, quite a lot of um, UK media organisations picked up on this story, and he's, he he had a lot of publicity, and it became quite a topic. Yeah. Um, so we it's it's died down a bit now, and we thought it was probably a good time to bring up the topic and talk to him. He can reflect back on it and we can learn a bit about his experience and and, and more about why and how it works. Let's call him up. Let's call him. Hello, Steve. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Welcome to UX Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Stephen, where are you sitting? This is Pat Axbone speaking. Hi, um, I'm just in Cambridge at the moment. I, I'm visiting just to go through the books at the pub, same as I do start of every month. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. And hi, Dave. Uh, I'm James Roy Lawson, but you know that because. Yeah, yes. give, us, give us some background. Well, how I'll how do you guys know each I'll other? I'll give a little bit of background because um, <laughs> listen to the show. If you, if you recognize that, well, you know the theme tune to our show. Um, that's composed and, and created by Daniel Pugh, um, who. Me, Daniel, and Steve in the early nineties used to be in a band together. Ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> twenty years ago. That's how old we are, Steve. So, <laughs> so there's, scared, is there it? a soundtrack we can listen to? Um, do you know, I've, I've got them all as MP3s, but um, ah. Dan didn't really. He wanted to get hold of them and, and do some kind of reprocessing of them before I slept, let them loose everywhere. Mm, excuses, but, um, excuses. Yeah, there's always excuses. <laughs> but but I, I'd like to. Have, I'd like to set them all free. We had some really good fun and yeah. did some really good stuff back then. It'll take another 20 years. Mm. I, I'm guessing about that. Mm. Um, but I mean, Steve actually um, grew up in the same village. Okay. Um, Kakala in Hull, mm. in England. Um, and um, oh, back in the day, you were, oh, you were a computer. Oh, you were very interested in computers like I was. And we spent hours um, doing lots of geeky mm. computer stuff. 80s and early 90s um, and Steve went on to do um, computer science um, but then you got a little bit bored of it didn't you Steve? I certainly took a different direction yes about <laughs> 10 or 11 years ago I started running pubs which I, I think is an excellent move yeah from computers to pubs I mean they mix perfectly mm. but what I, what I like though is of course you can't take the computer geekery away yes and, and I think you've, you've done some great stuff that proves that Steve Yes, uh, around, well, after we'd been running pubs for a year or two, uh, we found that we had certain problems, uh, things like stock control. Uh, We were using tills that had just been bought off the shelf, and they only really looked after the money, and they didn't have any kind of stock control feature. Hmm. So I looked around the marketplace, wondered if anyone could sell me anything suitable, and the answer turned out to be no, not really. (laughs) Not a kind of sensible price. So I took a month of evenings and road system and we've been using it ever since hmm. that's amazing actually <laughs> yeah i mean the com- combination there of, of entrepreneurship of running your own yeah. pubs and then well being capable of just throwing together a stock control yeah. and till system so if we search for your name and and bitcoin now in google there are lots of articles popping up about how you're accepting bitcoin yes uh, <laughs> i I have to say, it's been my best ever accidental publicity campaign. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, This is something, I I knocked it together in a couple of days. Mm. Um, I didn't expect it to be a big deal, but uh, then once uh, it appeared on Reddit, uh, lots of people became very interested, and I spent about two weeks solid talking to the media about it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't expect it, but uh, not unwelcome. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's all publicity is good publicity, especially when it's positive publicity. Yeah. yeah. And why is it, do you think, that everyone became so interested? I think because, well, I wasn't the first company to start accepting Bitcoin. For mm -hmm. uh, there are places in Germany, there are places in America. Um, I think I was the first company to actually integrate it properly with the till system. Right. Mm. Everybody else used to be using an, a phone or a, a tablet or something like that just to go to a website and take payments effectively manually. Yeah. Uh, mm. And mine was the first system that actually had it properly built into the tills. Okay. So what what led you to uh, what's the what was the backstory to to the to the decision to kind of okay, I'm going to spend a few evenings now knocking together um a, a bitcoin payment system. It was um it was a combination of all sorts of things. Uh I heard about bitcoin uh, fairly early on. Um I thought that's interesting. I wonder mm. it'll work. Uh, back in 2011, uh I think that it had had its first bubble and its first, uh, the bubble had burst. Mm -hmm. uh, and I bought some bitcoins on one of the early UK exchanges. I think I spent about £100 and ended mm -hmm. up 20 bitcoins. And the moment I bought them, the price started dropping and dropping and dropping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's forget about this for now. And again for another couple of years. Uh, and then uh, I looked earlier on this year and sort of realised hang on a minute. They're worth about two grand now. That's not bad for hundred going in. Wow. Um, but there's still nothing to spend them on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's partly so that there would be something to spend bitcoins on. Mm. Uh, and partly it was due to frustration over taking cards. So we've been taking mm. credit and debit cards pretty much ever since we opened. Right. Mm. Uh, of we course. have card terminals which are rented from the card service provider. So these are those kind of classic, um, at least here in Europe, the, the chip and pin terminals that you kind of get handed yeah. to stick your card yes. in and press some buttons. So yeah. we have, they're, they're quite nice. They're, they're cordless. I think mm. they talk Bluetooth between the handset and the base station. And the base station then just plugs into the local Ethernet. Mm. Um, they generally work very well. Transactions are nice and fast. But the thing that frustrates me about them is that I can't integrate them properly with the tills. So the workflow for accepting a card payment goes something like this. A uh, member of staff enters all of the drinks into the till. That happens for every transaction. But the till comes up with the uh, total. And at this point, what I want to happen is they press a button on the till saying it's a card payment, and the till transmits the transaction total to the card terminal. Mm. The terminal uh, goes through the interaction with the customer, uh, check the pin and so on, and mm. then returns a status to the till. Exactly uh, like you would expect in a supermarket. That's, exactly yeah. like, that's what I want to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't, because nobody, it seems, will sell me equipment that can be integrated into a till system like this. Yeah. So what actually happens mm. is that a member of staff picks up the terminal, copies the total yeah. into, the, into the terminal by pressing buttons, mm. then deals with the customer. The terminal then prints out a paper receipt one, well, two, one for the customer, mm. for us, and then the member of staff has to copy the receipt number back from the receipt into the till. Mm. This is a manual process, and because it's a manual process, there are errors. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, really I actually about did this, a, um, until when, when you say it, Steve. Yeah, you know, restaurants and pubs are almost always like that. Then you everything's keyed in manually. It is keyed in manually. That's that's what causes confusion with the with the person paying as well. Because yeah. I actually did did a talk last week on, on different payment systems. And I was talking about these card readers, and sometimes you, as the customer, you yourself have to actually enter the the sum or the amount mm. that you want to pay. Sometimes. The first thing you enter is your PIN code, and sometimes what you, the first thing you enter is the tip. So mm. you really have to be careful about what you're entering. And I've several times I've actually entered my PIN code when you wanted the amount, so it's <laughs> right there and <laughs> to see for everyone. Which is definitely an issue. Yeah. yeah. So, but but basically that, that's an incentive then for actually there's, the system's broken. The system's broken, and you found a way to actually go around it and solve it. Solve well, solve uh, payment I, systems without banks. I want to <laughs> yeah. experiment. Yeah with uh, mm. a payment system that could be integrated mm. directly into the tills. Yeah. I realise that it's not going to be the most popular, the most common payment system, but at least it's there and it's uh, building it was satisfying, put it that way. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's <laughs> a proof so, of concept. So when there is a Bitcoin payment, what happens is the drinks go in the till, as they always do. Uh, the member of staff presses the pay by Bitcoin button. The till flashes up a QR code, which the customer then uh, points their phone at uh, the QR code encodes a Bitcoin address and an amount so that's the the value of the transaction at today's exchange rate with Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, and their wallet application in the phone uh, sends the appropriate number of Bitcoins to that address this mm-hmm. is essentially a, uh, a Bitcoin is a, appears to be a broadcast network essentially so uh, they just create the transaction throw it into the air and eventually it gets through to the till and eventually is normally within a couple of seconds. All right. So it's not it's not like they have to wait three minutes before you let them loose with their, their mm. three pints of beer and a glass of wine. <laughs> so generally, it works very well. They yeah. will press the send button on their phone, and uh, the till will go, oh, yep, we got that. Thank you very much. Yeah. One, uh, one advantage there, I can imagine, with, the, with, with just Bitcoin is... Bitcoin's not one of those things... That I, don't, I don't think people are going to suddenly, spontaneously go, oh, do you know what, I think I'll try... I'll try Bitcoin is a payment right. mechanism. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna come into the pub already a user of Bitcoin or an owner of Bitcoins. Yes. So right. you so you've, you in that sense you get rid of the whole um, uh, hurdles in the beginning to kind of you know, install a, a certain app, um, you know, register yourself, um, oh, transfer some money across to it, or whatever it is you you have to do. Unless you haven't started already, or probably a person like myself, I haven't started with Bitcoin. But no, seeing this in a pub, I probably would want to get started. <laughs> it, would, it would spark your curios- curios- yeah. curiosity off. Yeah. It's mm. it is quite a visual way of paying because people see these QR codes being flashed yeah. around. Mm. Yep, what's that? And so there has definitely been some interest from people just watching this go through. Mm. Yeah. Did, have you had any um, times when there's like a, a gang of, of Bitcoin enthusiasts come in and they basically fight over who's going to pay? We have had Bitcoin meetups in the pubs. Yeah. Uh, ah, okay. Uh, but there haven't been any fights over mm. who's going to pay, I think. Because mm. <laughs> you could really get in quick. I mean, if you get your phone out and, and scan mm. the code, then your job's done. You actually mm. can't. There, there is a stop. certain amount of confusion because it's all very new. People don't always understand what's going on. Mm. So, for example, uh, we have people who have uh, paid once and then saved the Bitcoin address for that transaction into their wallet and then tried to pay against the same address, which, of course, won't work because we generate a new address for each transaction so that we can sort out the incoming money between transactions. Yes, yeah, so you've got the audit but, trail, yeah. Well, in particular, it's so that we can say that transaction there has been paid and that transaction over there hasn't been paid yet. Yeah. Right. 
But from a user perspective, then they kind of think, oh, well, I, had this, I want the same round again. I want the same beers again. I'll just repay the same amount. Yes, and yeah. wallets, uh, they provide facilities for saving addresses because if there's a particular person who you make payments to, you, you generally will want to save their address. Hmm. Uh, but for one-time addresses like uh, individual transactions on the till, that, that particular user interface concept doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. There have, there have been some other difficulties as well. So we, uh, we encode the amount to pay uh, in Bitcoin in the QR code. We have had people... Uh, try and work it out themselves. They get the address to pay to from the QR code, but then they override the amount and they use the exchange rate calculator built into their wallet and pay us a completely uh, different amount. Which, yes. again, it's, a, mm. the, it's the wrong thing. Generally, they will slightly underpay in that yeah. case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the till goes, well, we got some of the money, but not all of it, and here's another QR code so that you can pay us the rest. Ah, okay. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that's, that's... Yeah, that makes it very difficult with mm. the whole transaction and bookkeeping with it. So there, there is no perfect system, really. Well, it's it's still very young, um, mm. and using it in this way is throwing up ideas for improvement. Um, exactly. Mm. And what kind of tweaks have you made then um, since? I've not actually changed what I'm doing uh, since deploying it. No. Um, the big change is going to be that. Well, let's talk about other ways in which it can go wrong. Oh, right, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Some people uh, have a wallet uh, from a company called Blockchain.info, who do a very nice website that lets you see all kinds of things about the Bitcoin system. And they right. they offer uh, a wallet uh, that works in a web browser and on a phone. Uh, it's got a very nice user interface. It just has a problem with this, which is when you send a transaction with it, it usually doesn't actually broadcast it over the Bitcoin network properly. That so their wallet is telling them they've problem. paid. Dartil is telling telling us that they haven't. <laughs> mm. And what usually happens is that the, the transaction rolls in some hours later, but that's not, not really great when you're standing at the bar, is it? No, right. Um, <laughs> and this company has been very unresponsive at, at dealing with bug reports about this. Uh, the main difficulty is that they're the only wallet that actually works on iPhones. Oh. Uh, Apple, uh, mm. Apple tend to block applications uh, that deal with Bitcoin from going in the uh, iPhone app store. I think it's because they really don't want anything happening on iPhones that they don't get a cut of. Exactly. Well, they, you're right. They'd want to yeah. have a, trans- a cut of every single transaction mm. that went through it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, iPhone users are a little bit stuck at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the, the fact that you have a wallet saying we paid, and the till system saying, oh, no, you haven't, is, is a user interface problem. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I can imagine you have some quite interesting your the reason, discussions. The <laughs> reason that you can have this discrepancy is but Bitcoin is essentially a push protocol. The, uh, the, the sender of the money pushes the transaction out into the network, and then essentially that's it. Their job is done once they've sent the transaction. Mm. Uh, and if anything does go wrong, there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, there is a newer payment protocol being developed, uh, which actually involves uh, the sender of the money and the uh, merchant uh, in a sort of separate protocol. Um, so in this case, the QR code would encode a web address to go to, to essentially pick up an invoice, and then the wallet would talk to the web server uh, and say, here's the signed transaction, and just hand the transaction over Directly, oh, a bit like kind of um, the the verify your email address links that you it's, get it's when you register. Like, it's a little, bit, a little bit like actually handing over a signed check. 
Yeah. Oh, and yeah. the mm-hmm. merchant can take this transaction it can, and it can fire it off into the Bitcoin system mm-hmm. and see if it gets picked up uh, and can check it for validity against its own copy of the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And another thing that can happen there is uh, Bitcoin relies on uh, transaction fees um, which are paid by the sender. Well, this is completely the opposite way around to uh, credit and debit cards where... Yeah, the, the face value of the transaction is paid by the customer, mm, right. and then the merchant later gets a bill for that transaction. Mm, mm. Um, and with Bitcoin, the speed with which your transaction is accepted and processed by the network depends partly on how much of a transaction fee you've included. Mm. And the incentives are all wrong here, because uh, <laughs> customers don't really have an incentive to include a high transaction fee. Uh, they just want the transaction to get through eventually. Uh, whereas merchants would really like to have it now, thank you very much. And, and mm-hmm. so uh, what this uh, forthcoming payment protocol is going to do is it's going to let the customer create a zero-fee transaction and then the merchant create a transaction that depends on it, which actually pays a fee, and then the pair of them will be accepted by the network somewhat faster. Um, oh, I think that is going to be a better way around to do it. As long uh, as it happens merchant, seamlessly. The merchant is the yeah. entity that has the... Uh, uh, it has the incentive to pay to get mm. the transactions through quickly because they're yeah. the people receiving the money. Yeah, that makes sense. But it has to happen seamlessly or, tr- mm. or kind of uh, behind the scenes, so it doesn't make it more complicated a transaction. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is still dependent on a network connection because that's one of yes, the. Yes, the the sender of the money has to have a network connection. Yeah, mm. because that's many of the faults of, of, of the payment system today. Is that you have that connection, and sometimes it takes so long for the payment to actually be accepted whatever whatever network you're on actually and one of the solutions that actually that was proposed in Sweden like 10 years ago like having a cash card where you actually have your money in cash downloaded onto a card but in this case maybe a phone would that be a possibility with something like bitcoin that actually you download a certain amount of bitcoin to your phone and you'd actually be able to pay for it. That's the way it works, yes. Because you you could do it all offline, couldn't you, Steve? I mean, you you could still generate transactions, but you wouldn't be able to confirm the chain or the the blocks or whatever you you call them. Yeah, the the sending phone has to have some way of getting the transaction over to the merchant. Uh, Mm, Right. At the moment, that is just done by the phone having a network connection and and being able to speak the bitcoin protocol Mm. uh, directly. In theory, it could be done with uh, NFC or something like that. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, that hasn't really been played with much yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, could you? So, could you? Could you both talk to each other over Wi-Fi or something, or like NFC, to kind of come to agreement that this is a real transaction, or does it have to go out onto the network? Um, it's well. At least one of the parties has to have an up-to-date copy of the blockchain. Right. Uh, mm. Otherwise, you're at a very reali- uh, realistic mm. risk of having a double spend transaction attempted, which is where mm. person A has mm. got some money uh, and gives it to person B and to person C. Of course, only, only mm. one of B or C can actually have it, and it's mm. down to the Bitcoin network which, which of these transactions is the real one. Um, I, I actually take a small risk uh, by accepting unconfirmed transactions uh, for speed. I take a small risk that people will then succeed in a double spend attack against me. Uh, no one's done it so far. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 
I, I'm just taking the point of view that they're standing right in front of me. If mm. if the sill then tells me no, the money's mm. vanished, I can go and take their drinks away. Yeah, exactly. Um, Throw them out the pub. But yeah, you, 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 it's a physical, effectively a physical transaction. They're in front of you, and we're not talking about a, a very long delay anyway before you get a confirmation. Right. Um, so you could actually, I mean, you you could actually take more of a risk by setting some kind of value level that you say, okay, I'm not going to worry about how long this transaction takes to to clear. They can have the drinks because it's only I don't know, five pounds. Hmm. Yes. Uh, so we want to see the unconfirmed transactions that we know that they do at least have the money and have sent the transaction into the network. Hmm. Uh, and the danger is that they then send another trans- transaction, spending that money before the transaction to us has made. Ah, uh-huh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sequence. The Bitcoin. Yeah. I don't know how much you know about how it works. But, uh, Not a it, whole lot. <laughs> it, is, it solves the double spend protection problem hmm. uh, by sort of mixing the solution in with issuing the currency in the first place. So you have these people called miners who are busily uh, executing a proof of work, which is essentially a computation that you have to do over and over and over and over again until eventually it goes. Oh, that's an acceptable solution. Hmm. Um, oh. Their reward for doing this and for, for producing the next block of transactions in the in the chain that goes right back to the start of Bitcoin is well at the moment they get a reward for completing the block. At the moment uh, the reward keeps going down over time. When Bitcoin was new, you got fifty bitcoins each time you came up with a block. And that's now halved, it's twenty-five, and it will halve again and again and again until it's pretty much zero. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that uh, the transactions that you include in the block. Uh, include fees, and if you manage to include them in a block that you solve, you get to keep the fees. And that's not very significant compared with the block reward at the moment, but it will become significant in the future. Okay. Mm. Um, and so, by mixing up the uh, issuing of the currency in the first place and the things that you have to do for double spend protection, uh, I, that's what made Bitcoin the first viable currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got lots of phones ringing in the background. Still. Yes, <laughs> my parents have. They're away, uh, and I'm not going to answer their phone. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good choice. <laughs> what happens with the? Uh, I mean, where where this? This is your personal account that you're using for the Bitcoin process, isn't it? There's I'm, not I'm thinking, really such a thing as an account. Oh, there's no account. account. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's there just are, you as an individual. Because you want these, like, notes. Back oh, to, oh, you want, yes. You want coins uh, and things. I, I didn't want the pub company to be taking a risk on Bitcoin, so yeah. uh, what I said was mm. uh, the pub company just gets pounds immediately mm. from me, uh, and I will hang on to the Bitcoins and convert them back into pounds at a later date. Right. Mm. Um, you, you've effectively outsourced the, the um, payment system to yourself as a... As yes, a, I, I'm, I'm effectively diff- working as a... a, a Bitcoin payment service provider to the pub company. Does this mean more? There's a a trust relationship between us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because does this mean mean more administration? I'm I'm thinking in terms of taxes. Is there anything that you have to do in the books to make this happen? In the pub company books, no, because Mm -hmm. the pub only the pubs only see pounds, and Mm -hmm. so that just goes in like taking cash or like taking cards. That's Mm -hmm. just. Absolutely standard. Oh, another reason for me to do it with this way was I really didn't fancy doing multi-currency accounting in the pub company books. Exactly. Yeah. Especially uh, when one of them isn't really a proper currency in official terms. <laughs> <laughs> from a personal point of view, uh, if I make a profit on converting the bitcoins back into pounds, which so far I have, uh, it's a capital gain. 
for tax yeah. purposes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I really like the, the, the solution there, Steve, that you outsourced mm. it to yourself because, you know, running a pub with all the various taxes mm. and regulations there. Yes. Bookkeeping, it, 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 I, I just get to wear a different hat when I'm doing, doing yeah. with that. Mm. I think it's an excellent idea for, um, for how to solve, how to keep it simple mm. business-wise. Yeah. So, I mean, I read um, that you took, oh, what was it, about £750 in the first week or two of, um, of, yes. of launching. Yes, it slowed down a little bit. We're doing about £1,000 a month through Bitcoin, cool, which right. is, uh, it's, it was worth doing, but it's still a very, very small part of our business. Yeah, absolutely. But it's um, it's not kind of like one or two transactions a, a month. That's um, that's obviously oh, uh, a, a few, a fair few transactions. Uh, it tends to be month. thirsty. Uh, so you, you can go for a, a week without seeing a transaction, mm. and then you'll have sort of several days with a, a couple of hundred quid a day. Yeah, uh, I think it probably depends who's in town. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got five pubs, as we um, said at the beginning. Um, and which which one of the pubs has the most Bitcoin use? And have you noticed? So far, the one in Hackney has the most Bitcoin use. Right. That's in London. Yeah. Yes. But uh, it's sort of like a customer loyalty program for for geeks. If you're a geek, you're, you're going to go there. Right. <laughs> yes, I, I think some people yeah. are coming in and, and doing it for the novelty. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, <laughs> no. no, you're right. Yeah, it's, mm. it's, a, it's it's and I think more people are passing through London than through Cambridge and Norwich and Peterborough. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, it's of course from uh, from the point of view of someone visiting the country, it's great because they don't have to change their money before they spend it. Now you write a universal right. wallet, same bitcoins yeah. that yes. they would use at home, uh, mm. and it all just works. Mm. And the exchange rate, there, there isn't an exchange rate as such, although you uh, add one, I believe. The exchange, oh, oh do you mean a sort of fee? Or? Yeah, because you, you yeah, you've I, got to know exactly I, how much you're going to get. When, theory, I, so when you, I started, I was really quite conservative and so, uh, because I didn't know, essentially, I didn't know how I was going to be turning the bitcoins back into pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before I started, I, ad- I identified a route. It, it meant sending the bitcoins to a company called OKPay, OK who would charge me 6% at that point, uh, and they would convert that, that to pounds, and then they would send the pounds back uh, to my UK bank account and charge me 1% for doing that. <laughs> so that was quite a fee-heavy route. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, or, well, actually fortunately, in retrospect, uh, <laughs> the moment I started accepting bitcoins over the counters, they stopped offering that facility, so I had to go and look for other ways of doing it. Uh, I tried various uh, companies, and what I've ended up doing is using uh, an exchange called Bitstamp, hmm. um, uh, which has pretty low fees. And so what, once I'd done the conversion back from bitcoins to pounds and identified where the levels of all the fees involved, I was able to improve the exchange rate on offer in the pubs. Okay. And now there's, there's a company called BitPay, uh, who are a Bitcoin merchant service provider, uh, who who do essentially what I'm doing for the pub company, but they will do it for anybody. Mm. Um, they publish a list of exchange rates on uh, on their website, just a JSON API page. Uh, and I'm just using that. I'm just taking the rate that they say for pounds and saying, right, that's the rate. And I'm not charging any other sort of fee. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because you because of course you need to you need you have to convert the the bitcoins back to cash because. You know, you've got to feed some cash into the pubs. Uh, yes, that's right. So, uh, not, you've got to find the cash from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yes, uh, I can. I can pay a thousand pounds a month for transactions for a little while, but ultimately, hmm. I do need pounds to come back. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you thought the bitcoins were going to go up in value, then you might want to do that. But um, well, it turns out they have. Exactly. So, so then there's a, a portfolio balancer for you. Um, how much yes. do you? How much do you sell? And how much do you? 
I, I, I reduce my risk by not holding on to bitcoins uh, that have been spent in the pubs for a very long time. I'll hold on to them for what, three or four weeks and sell mm. them. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the is looking good. Yeah, yeah. Mm, excellent. Is this something then you would, would recommend others to try out? <laughs> it's it's always a thing of uh, yeah, do it, but don't do it the way I did it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's because I started with a bit of an advantage. I had the Till software, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and so integrating uh, the payment in payments into the Till software was just a, a two evening admin yeah. job. Um, I would say to your average merchant, don't do what I'm doing with holding onto the bitcoins yourself. Uh, use one of the payment services providers like BitPay, um, unless you really fancy taking a risk. If you just want to include Bitcoin payment in your business because you want to make it easier for people to pay you, then mm. you use somewhere somewhere like BitPay. Mm. Uh, if you fancy taking a risk, then sure, just hold on to the Bitcoins yourself, but don't come crying to me if the <laughs> market pops. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hmm. I mean, most mer- merchants and establishments, they're, I mean, they're going customer loyalty, loyalty programs and having their own payment systems within a chain of stores like Starbucks. I know they have like 30% of their payments being done with their Starbucks points or whatever they're called. Right, uh, yes. But that's a very closed environment as well. Mm-hmm. And what I l- really love about this is that it, it could work anywhere. And, and that only works if you are a big chain. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you need to open a few mm-hmm. more pubs, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on this. <laughs> <You're working. Slowly. laughs> Yeah, so in ten years' time, when you've got fifty pubs, yeah. then um, then you will have your own loyalty scheme, uh, Bitcoin based. <laughs> yeah. So I think from, from uh, our conclusion from from the UX perspective, then is that you really looked at the steps required to pay with the the, you know, the normal sort of credit card reader, uh, compared to Bitcoin, and you reduced the steps from something like twelve steps to four steps. It's definitely a better user experience for our staff than taking cards. Right. Mm. Um, and give you know, mm. give or take mm. some of the early teething troubles with customers. Uh, oh, we've, we've had customers turning up uh, with Bitcoins on all sorts of devices that don't have cameras and can't scan QR codes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've, we've ended up, sometimes we've ended up printing out the Bitcoin mm. address and having people retype it into their laptop. And, and, oh, and, oh, wow. So, yeah. It, it worked yeah. in the end, but it's not a sort of thing that I would like to repeat on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Oh, getting, from, getting out your laptop mm. in a pub to type in a... a <laughs> no, you're right, that's, that's not... Fantastic. So it's still very new. People don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, mm. But over time, I think people will get into the swing of it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any... Um, do you think you might introduce any other alternative payment mechanisms? Or I don't have an idea, but I don't... Um, I don't want to pick up, you know, for example, all of these uh, Bitcoin uh, alternatives, um, which are essentially the Bitcoin protocol with the serial numbers filed off and a minor thing changed. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the moment, there, there is too much... Uh, well, Bitcoin was the first viable one, and it is still the one with the greatest number of users and the strongest economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to just randomly pick up all of the others, because then I'd have to deal with all sorts of little fiddly... Uh, minority currencies myself Mm, Um, there are also people going around offering things like um, pound payments uh, phone to phone that Mm. sort of thing as a company Mm -hmm. droplet who have contacted me I might consider uh, 
supporting that kind of thing in the future if they actually have an API that will let me integrate into the sales to the extent that I've integrated Bitcoin. Exactly, because you um, don't want to make the process if, any if more complicated for the business side. suitable API. Mm. Uh, so, for example, when I looked at Droplet, they uh, essentially were going, have a tablet, and uh, you can just look at the transactions coming in on the screen of the tablet and go, yes, we got paid. And go, no, I'm not going to do that. That's going to be even worse for our staff than taking cash. <laughs> mm. um, so I will support them when they have an API that will let that kind of payment be integrated into the sales. Mm. I think oh, that's yeah. actually a good, that's a really good point, Steve, for, for people out there who are thinking of setting up um, payment systems. Um, to, to there are, there that, are. Uh, yeah, get the API sorted, that's, um, that's, yep. that's good and, and it's really well, important. people can integrate it. Yeah, it doesn't need to be complicated, mm. uh, yeah. it's just that you, do, you need to be able to distinguish uh, programmatically between incoming payments for different transactions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some people are setting up payment systems where basically there is a code for the whole shop. Uh, and so people send money to the shop and the money is turning up without any indication of what it's paying for. It's uh, an absolute nightmare to work out which right. transactions. So, so, so you which, need a little yeah. bit of data, possibly mm. even just a transaction number, generated by the shop that needs to go through the payment processing system mm. and then pop out the other end with the money. Mm. Uh, and that's what some of them are missing. Mm. Now, it's fascinating. Though. It's not just about making these kind of micropayments or payment systems work isn't just about um, the, the user who's trying to make the payment. There's, there's no. several layers to this that oh, yeah. all need to be and this, this is really really about the users, the business, and the technology mm. all mixed in together. That's what I love about it. Yeah. And I love what you're saying also, Steve, about it, it, this, it's so much easier for the staff. And the staff are users as well of the system. Yeah. And uh, them For having an easier time, of course, means a lot. The space of the till, the staff are the only users of the system. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> that, would, that, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. People ask me sometimes mm. why I haven't sold this uh, till, till mm -hmm. system. And the uh, the reason is that uh, it's got a very nice user interface for the the day to day staff, but the management interface is still a little bit raw. I've uh, <laughs> because the management interface user is me essentially, yeah. uh, and so to make it usable by other people would require a fair bit more work. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it would mean that you would have to change your focus to supporting and developing. Uh, yes, and I'd end up system. a software company rather than pubs. And <laughs> you, exactly, and you moved away from that mm. track a few years ago. So yeah, I understand. You could sell it to someone else who develops it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, at be this a, point... Be a founder of a startup, Steve. <laughs> another startup. At this point, it's a well, nearly 10-year-old code base. And uh, if I was starting again, I, I wouldn't do it quite the same way. Yeah. As usual. As usual. <laughs> Well, I think that's um, yeah. That's uh, been excellent talking to you, Stephen. Yeah, thanks really for fun. being with us. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Thanks. I didn't know thanks a lot about Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah, and um, well, um, in, drive safely or enjoy yourself today going around yeah. the pubs and, and uh, have fun going through the books. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is very easy now because all the transactions are nicely tied up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> excellent. Um, thanks, Steve. Thanks yeah. so much. Bye bye. Again, yeah. sometime. Yep. You too. Bye. 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 Okie dokie. Cool. That was a lot to take in, actually. Yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm sort of still having a hard time wrapping my head around Bitcoin and how it works. But at the but same time, I don't think we need to. I, I, I realize that we don't need to, no. actually. I mean, mm. that, this fascinates me here mm. is that we've got finished off towards the end you know, about the importance of APIs. Mm. 
not necessarily from a user perspective, because I mean we don't go around playing with APIs, but well, from, from a, a user perspective, no, indirectly, yeah, for, uh, the, for companies to adopt certain things, payment systems in yeah. this instance, you've got to have a, a, a good API which allows you to quite simply strap this onto whatever you've already got. In Steve's case, he's on, mm. um, you know, till system or. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, he's on um, system for taking transactions. You don't more. You don't want more overhead. You don't want want more administration. You don't. You want, want to make it more complicated for your staff because yeah. they're also <laughs> users and have their own experience yes. to worry about. Um, so that was that's that's interesting and fascinating. Yeah. Um, and get, yeah, just this about the different levels of user experience that um, you know Steve as a business owner is a user. Mm. He has to deal with occurrences. Mm. Um, the staff working is pubs. Using user interfaces and users yes. of systems, and the people coming in to make a purchase are users of systems, mm. um, and it's got to be a win. Well, there's a balance of wins there between mm. all of these people. Um, but it, we did realize as well that there's a, a lot of challenges still in being a user mm. of the system and going mm. in and paying because mm. there, there's the problem with the apps, with the iPhone yeah. apps as well, mm. and there's a problem understanding, well, the, the lighting as well, scanning the code. Yeah. Uh, understanding how it all works has mm. your transaction actually been approved or not mm. so there was a lot of I think it's friction a, there not understanding also, but also example of like time when um, you you have someone with a, um, a device that doesn't have a camera oh yeah uh, oh yeah and you had to you actually had to type in the, type it the, into the computer into your laptop or something so it's it's um <laughs> it's it's by it's by far yeah. not the, it's not the dream perfect right scenario. so but it's, i love that he's testing it and i mean mm. but to actually be able to challenge really challenge the other payment systems, you have to make yeah. it even more useful for the users. Yeah. Or make the experience better yeah. for the users. Yeah. I, I, reducing the hurdles, like yeah. always with these things. We've, yeah. got to, we've got to make the, the startup, the ramp up, mm. ramping up in the beginning easier. Mm. Um, and I think um, a, f- a big challenge here, I hadn't really thought about this, but um, we had a quick conversation with Steve... Uh, I've had a quick, quick conversation with Steve earlier, um, and one thing, one problem he's highlighted was the iPhones, mm-hmm. and that Apple don't allow payment systems really into their phones because they want a cut of it. Yeah, um, and this is a, this is actually a bigger hurdle than I'd realised mm. for adoption. Probably is yes. In some ways, we're saying that payment systems are, are going to struggle to take off for iPhone mm. until Apple launch something. I'm surprised oh. nobody has built a web-based app because I mean. The web apps can also Maybe access the camera. We haven't yeah, tried we, everything no. in the world. No, but I thought Steve would have mentioned it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, he seems to yeah. know a lot about. It. Yeah, yeah. But then there's always the hurdle of people having iPhones mm. who are novices and not realizing they have to surf to a website to pay. So mm. yeah, I think it's a wallet. There's a wallet yeah. issue that like you've got to have your yeah. wallet somewhere for for bitcoins. Yeah. So if you're using a web-based thing, then you've got to have a uh, mm. web-based bo- wallet mm. that's integrated with that web-based payment. Mm. Thing or yeah. they actually have but to it's be like you were saying oh, if yeah. you already have already have Bitcoin, mm. then paying with it is a no-brainer. Yeah. The problem is getting the mm. adoption. Yeah, and you could mm. argue that it's the same thing with mm. um, secure or uh, any of these kind of uh, yes. micro transaction mm. systems that mm. we're we've seeing at least mm. here in Sweden. Mm. That yeah, when you've got Q Park, the 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 um, AT Park, the parking machines. Yeah, the, if you um, if you have if the app, already yeah. set up the app, <coughs> yeah. then of course it's easier. Mm. But um, but the same thing like oh, setting up internet banking here on your mobile. That's with the bank ID. Um, oh, I'm not going to go into explaining what that is. Basically, mm. it's a but it's a it's a secure certificate system that mm. you can install on your laptop and mm. mobiles. It's a pain to set up. It is. It's one of the most challenging mm. 
things that I've done in recent mm. years. And people uh, keep saying, well, it's much easier on the mobile, which I don't think it is. No, it's... it's just uh, but then you have the problem that I realized after having switched phones two times mm. since I installed it the first mm. time. Moving from phone to phone as well and with an ID system is, is mm. really a big pain. So every two years you've got to do something that's quite complicated yeah. and remember what you did, mm-hmm. um, including remembering the same code yeah. that you used two years ago. Uh, so, so setting up mm. is a massive, massive hurdle. And mm. that is... Our, our, our well, a stumbling point with all this, with these kind of transactions, is that cash and Visa or Mastercard and American Express, mm. they're all so much easier because they're already in our wallets mm. and they're already set up. Yep, and they're universal, pretty much. Mm. But can be a pain when the payment takes a long time. Yeah, and that's what you usually. I had the example when I gave my talk. It was I stumbled into a store where I was a customer already. I already had the customer loyalty card, mm. and apparently they were after they had my home address. They could mm. send me an invoice. I wasn't aware of this, but they asked me if I was a member, and I said I didn't have my card. And they said your your driver's license is fine. Yeah, and then she asked in the next sentence, "Do you want to pay with this?" And then I realized. Excellent. I want to pay with my driver's license. That's perfect. I just want my driver's license, and that's all I want. Wow, that seems to be where our new Zoom H6 recorder has just cut off our sound from the podcast recording. Uh, we don't know what went wrong right now. Uh, we just have to blame the presidential visit, I guess. So do let us know what you think about the future of online payment systems is, and uh, let us know what you think about the show. Stay tuned also, of course, for next week. We will be recording on location at the Conversion Jam conference, and we do have some surprises uh, lined up for you. So do stay tuned. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, We won't be using the normal feeds next week for uh, publishing, so uh, we'll see how that goes. It will be a new thing for us. And, uh, you know, remember to keep moving. And see you on the other side. You've been listening to UX Podcasts with James Royal Lawson and Pear Axeboom. Visit uxpodcast.com for more episodes and to subscribe to the show. UX Podcast, moving the conversation beyond UX. UX.